Now, I know there are a few things that you just don't want to hear about in church. At a previous appointment of mine, we went through a process deciding whether or not we should expand to another worship service on Sunday morning. And as a part of that process, I had members of the congregation go out and do a little field research by having conversations with younger people, which we defined as age 45 and under, which now as a 45-year-old, I realize is not at all young, but... In the United Methodist world, generally 45 is young. So we learned some interesting things from those conversations, including some data that really matched up with what you can read about in national surveys about what people want or don't want in church. And in those conversations, two items were repeatedly shared as as things that people do not want to hear about when they came to worship. Can you guess what they are? Politics and money. Politics and money. Those were the topics most likely to turn younger people away from some particular church. Now, that was a few years ago, but I sort of doubt that the answer has changed very much. Most people outside and inside churches would say, we do not want our preacher going on and on about politics or money. I'm not going to talk about politics today. I will point out, though, that we have had some good experiences here together at St. Paul's with our preaching in the Purple Zone process, where we have learned we can actually talk about issues of public concern without it being terrible. We did that about policing in America last January, and we're going to do it again next January with another topic of your choosing. When we talk about things that have political implications, I will promise you that I will never tell you how to vote on a particular issue. I will never endorse a particular candidate from my position as your preacher. I mean, I have personal opinions about those things, of course, opinions that are, that are informed by my faith, but it's not my job to persuade you politically. And we're a congregation of people with all kinds of political opinions, and I like it that way. I don't think we need to agree on everything, except for maybe Jesus. I want us to be able to talk to one another in a respectful way, in a civil way, in a way that helps us engage our faith with our political views. So that's politics. Now the other issue that no one wants to hear about in church, money. (laughs) You've already been tipped off today that we're not going to back away from that one. As a preacher, I have to ask myself this question then, why is it people don't want to talk about money at church? I'm not entirely sure, but if I had to guess... I would suppose it's related to the fact that here in the United States, we don't really talk about money. We consider it impolite for adults to talk about money. Money's private. It's not a topic for civil conversation. You don't go around telling other people how much money you make or how much you have in the bank or even how much you spent on your last vacation. I mean, I'll talk about just about everything with my brother, but I have no idea how much money he makes. He has no idea what my salary is. So even in our families, we have this idea that money is private and to talk about it is somehow tacky. So that's one problem. Another problem is that whenever a preacher stands up to talk about money, there's the perception that it's only self-interest that's motivating me, right? The only reason I would talk about money is because I want more of yours. For the church, I mean for the church, right? (laughs) Right, so that the, the idea is that the budget, the church budget, must be just in the back of my mind, and the whole point of a sermon about money is to fund the church budget better, which I certainly spend a lot of time looking at the church budget. 
not quite as much as our awesome finance chair, Candy Johnston, or our treasurer, Cindy Ballantyne, but I spend a lot of time uh, looking at it, thinking about it. It's part of my job. And part of my job is to communicate to you at appropriate times and places about church finance. But the budget is not the only reason to talk about money in church. It's one reason at the right time and place, but it's not the only reason, and it is not today's reason. So I'm going to ask you for a few minutes to think with me about money, not because I want you to put a bigger check in the offering plate. I mean, if that's a result, okay, with me, it's fine. But that's not, that's not what we're aiming at today. We're thinking a little wider today. I want us to reflect for a few moments about how we deal with money as a whole. Now, the other thing I'm not interested in today is having this be about guilt or about shame in some way. I think that's another problem about talking about money in church. Sometimes money in church gets really associated with guilt. And I just don't want to traffic in guilt, not about money, not about anything. I don't want to try to motivate you out of guilt or out of shame because we serve a God of forgiveness. We serve a God of mercy, a God of reconciliation. We love a God who frees us from things like shame and guilt so that we can operate out of joy and hope. And so if you hear a preacher say money and you automatically start feeling uncomfortable and start feeling guilty, I just, I'm gonna invite you to let go of that today. Just let go of that guilt and listen as best you can and, and think and reflect on your life, realizing that this is not about pressure, not about fear, not about shame. So why talk about money in church? Basically because it's a topic that comes up again and again and again in the Bible. It's a consistent theme in scripture. How we deal with money is a matter of our faith. If we never considered money in worship, we'd have to ignore a whole lot of scripture and especially a whole lot of what Jesus taught and said. And that doesn't seem like a good idea. But along with being biblical, I think that we bring our whole lives to worship. We bring our whole selves here on Sunday morning. I don't want you to have to leave a part of yourself at home or segment off a part of your life as you walk in the sanctuary door and think, well, that's not appropriate for church or I can't share that part of myself here or God isn't interested in that part of my life. So if we're bringing our whole selves, we have to sometimes talk about money because we spend so much of our lives making, spending, managing our money. If we never talked about money and worship, we'd just cut out a huge part of our lives as we were thinking about our spiritual life and about what God wants us to do. Okay, so we've been talking for the last three weeks about the book of Proverbs. We've considered pursuing wisdom and talked about wise friendships and wise speech. Remember, Proverbs is concerned with helping us as people of faith to live sound and healthy lives so considering how much time we spend making and spending money, Proverbs talks about money. It has to in order to address all the aspects of wisdom in life. Now, I bet that you have heard a few Proverbs about money outside of the Bible as you were growing up. A couple that come to mind for me, early to bed, early to rise, makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's good news for those of you that like to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Or maybe you live by a penny saved is a penny earned. Or did you have a parent that was fond of saying, money doesn't grow on trees? Which is true. Not that enlightening, but true. Well, if we turn to the Bible, 
in the book of Proverbs to find wisdom about money, we find sayings that are a little bit better than those ones from popular culture. We find actually some pretty robust advice. We may not think so at first because that first scripture, I heard a few of you giggle when April read it, it's about ants, right? It's about ants. The, the writers say, look to the ant, you lazy bones. <laughs> it's kind of a funny tone for the book to take. Or some translations say, you sluggard. <laughs> That's not a word that you knew before. Take that home as a little gift from worship today. You sluggard. Look to the ant, you sluggard. Proverbs is trying to help us learn or live a good life. And it thinks that that means earning our keep. It means working. It means working hard so that we can take care of our responsibilities to our family and to society. Now, remember, this book was first written to an agrarian community. The vast majority of people worked in the fields, grew their own food, and had to live each day doing an incredible amount of physical labor to make life work. So we see the sages saying, get to work. Don't be lazy. Now, we don't live on the farm, and we have things like dishwashers and washing machines and vacuum sweepers that make our life a lot easier. But I think this wisdom still holds true that part of what makes life good, part of what like makes life meaningful, part of the way to live a wise life is to get to work. It's part of what it means to honor God, to use the gifts that God has given us to be productive, to work hard, to provide for ourselves and our family. Talking about the ant, there's also this sense in Proverbs to not miss the moment. It, it says the ant prepares its food in summer, harvesting when the time is right. So part of the biblical wisdom about money is earn some in the right moment, provide for yourself and your family, contribute to the common good, do things that are productive and helpful. Okay, so the sages want us to earn a living, they want us to work, but not in a way that's risky, not in a way that's hasty. They say searching for a quick buck, searching for instant riches, that's not the way to provide for ourselves. It's possible to, to put our energy toward worthless pursuits, they say, and then we'll end up with nothing. If we can make a quick fortune, it can just as easily disappear. It's amazing to me to read this advice and then think about the recent roller coaster of cryptocurrency. You guys read about this in the news? The writers of Proverbs, they could not for the world have imagined something like Bitcoin or had any idea what the blockchain was, but there are many, many investors who have been looking for quick cash through these kind of new financial systems, and they have discovered the biblical truth that wealth hastily gotten will dwindle. When it comes to you fast, it can disappear fast. But those who gather little by little will increase. And Proverbs is also concerned that we don't take on a lot of debt. The writers recognize that it makes us obligated to our creditors in a way that's not healthy. And this was good advice 3,000 years ago, and it's good advice today. Debt might seem like the way to get what we want, but in the end, it limits our choices. It endangers our wellness and our joy. You know, sometimes we talk about salvation, about this gift of grace and life that God has given us. We talk about it in terms of a debt being paid. Right? There's a song, Jesus Paid It All. What a hard thing it is then when we who have been set free by God, when we get swamped with financial debt and give our freedom back away. Now, I recognize in the modern economy, some debt is hard to avoid. It can even be useful, like taking out a mortgage but it should always be done with caution and wisdom. 
having an eye to paying it off eventually and never taking on a debt load that can trap us somehow. And then finally, the last two Proverbs we read this morning are about being generous. And these echo commandments that we find throughout the scriptures, when we're reminded that when we are generous, we're actually the ones who who are blessed. When we give to others, we're the ones who are enriched. Now these Proverbs can seem counterintuitive and and they can really only be understood by trying them. And I know that so many of you do live this way, that when we give, we actually get more in return. When we're generous, we're blessed in a way that nothing else can bless us. Being generous, the act of letting go of some of our money, it actually reduces money's power and hold on us. It helps us cling less tightly to our own stuff. And generosity fills our hearts in a way that nothing else can as we see others' lives changed by our gifts. So those scriptures that we read today, they come from a lot of different places in the book of Proverbs. But when we put them together, they actually form a pretty coherent message about the use of money. To be biblically wise about money, Proverbs asks us to work hard, to save up, to avoid unreasonable debt, and to be generous. Now, as United Methodists, we actually get this very same advice from the pen of John Wesley. You might remember Wesley was a priest in 18th century England, and he was the founder and mastermind of the Methodist movement, and he had a lot to say about money. But he was also good, really good at like boiling things down to simple things that we can remember. And so he encouraged his Methodist people to do three things. To earn all you can, to save all you can, and to give all you can. That was John Wesley's way. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. He thought that was a holy way for people to live. He thought that was a powerful way for Methodists to live in the world. And remember, so many of the people that he preached to and formed his societies were working poor. These were not people that had a ton of resources, but he encouraged them to earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. There's a whole lot of choices wrapped up in those words, but I think it's a great framework. It's, it's solid advice to start. Now, my challenge to you this week is to have a conversation about money. If you live with other people, talk to them about it. Review with your spouse where you are in your monthly budgeting. It might have shifted a little bit in the last few months as we deal with this inflationary economy. Right? Matt and I uh, added up the other day how much money we've spent on gas this month. Oh my. If you have kids, you might have a conversation with them about money, about what it means to earn and to save and to give. If you live alone and you don't share your budget with someone else, have a conversation with yourself. Maybe you could do it in a journal, writing about the choices you're making and the things that you are prioritizing. Just have a conversation this week about money. Not just about the practical things, but also a spiritual conversation. Take a moment, have some space to reflect on where you're spending your money and how that lines up with your faith and the things that you want to do in the world as a person of God. Think about what God might be calling you to do in terms of you earning money, saving money, and giving money away. If you find that your financial choices and your faith values aren't completely aligned, what step can you take to move closer to the wisdom of the scriptures? My prayer is that God will help us all be wise and careful and generous with our resources so we can bless others with our abundance and honor God who so deeply blesses us. Amen. Amen.